Thanks for checking out this episode of the Bureau Briefing. Before we get to the show, there are a couple of companies we really want to thank. Our sponsors, 10,000 Feet. You know, if you haven't checked them out lately, you need to check them out. They make this simple but powerful software, and it just helps you make confident decisions about what's going on with your projects and your teams. Also, MailChimp. MailChimp has been an amazing supporter of the Bureau community since day one, and they are everywhere we go, and they just love digital agencies. And you need to realize they're not just an email tool, and they're not just a marketing automation tool. They're a second brain for your business. They can give you insights, and they can help you automate your e-com store. It's just amazing. So make sure and check out MailChimp as well. And now, let's get on to the show. Welcome to the Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Swinging by the Bureau Briefing with us today, we have got the co-founders of Project Inkplot. Now, Project Inkplot It's a New York-based consultancy that's focused on developing strategies, processes, and people-oriented solutions for diversity and inclusion. So please welcome to the Bureau Briefing, Boywin Gao and Jahan Manton. Thank you. And you said our names correctly, which rarely happens. So we're so happy about that. (laughs) Especially for me. I can give you a list of people you can contact and they'll be like, oh yeah, you got lucky. You should have heard what he said. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you're all here. And you know, we got introduced, uh, it was Adam from Expand the Room who, who shot an email to us. And when, when you're part of a community like the Bureau and you've got thousands of people out there, you get introduced all the time. Hmm. And so the first thing I did was I went to the website and I, I was just like, who are these superheroes? Because <laughs> first of all, your imagery is beautiful. Like everything on the site felt great. But there was this phrase that caught me. And it was diversity is a design process. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like I'd been slapped in the face. Like, oh, right. It's a design problem. That's what this is. Yeah. So would one of y'all just dive in and talk about that statement and not only why it's there on the site, but what it means to you? Yeah, sure. Um, I can certainly start and I'll just have Jahan jump right in. But yeah, we, we address this also on our website because we often get that question, like, what do you actually mean by that? You know, what, I, I kind of get it, but what is that? So for us, it's, you know, d- diversity doesn't just happen. It's not, you know, a default in most places. It's really something where, you know, for us, design as a uh, diversity as a design process is, it's a choice that you're making. It's what you're seeing and not seeing. It's being um, mindful of, oh, okay, like who is this product or service being defi- designed for? Who is actually designing it? Um, what is it actually being designed for? And who, like, who is it for and why is it for them? And based on that for us, it's really always looking at, you know, who's missing and what's missing and the picture that if they were there would really make a difference for the you know end user or the person the human being at the end of the service or product or campaign you know and um, for us it's really a, a process and a framework to approach that 
Thank you, Boywin. Now, Jahan, what does diversity as a design process mean to you? Diversity as a design process means a like implementing a thoughtfulness and a level of inquiry and integrity at the onset of creation. And so that's something that we really saw and see is missing in a lot of industries. And again, it's really thinking critically from the beginning instead of tacking something on at the end. And in this case, we're talking about diverse uh, perspectives, leadership, input as something that you really embed into the design of a program, product, or service. That makes so much sense. And it reminds me of a phrase we used to say when we were building anything, which was, you have to bake it in, you can't bolt it on. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love and that. I, I think that probably explains why in my industry, in, in the service side and, and some of the product side of the web, everything was built and then we thought about diversity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. not that not that we weren't thinking about it, but we were we were just so busy trying to figure out what we were building. Yeah. That we didn't yeah. have it in our in our field of view. So yeah. so how did y'all how did y'all meet and realize that this was something you wanted to do together? Jahan, do you want to? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is such a long story. What's the easy version of this? Well, I guess the short version. Oh, go with the long. Go with the long version. Come uh, on, let us know. And the episode will be like five hours long. Right. <laughs> so, we went and I met at a print publication at a magazine. We were both editors there, and it was like a music, culture, um, publication, and we were we were acquaintances then. We were both like freelancing and. You know, sometimes we worked remotely, sometimes we're in the office. So it's not like we were around each other in conversation all that much, but we were friendly and um, we kept in contact after the magazine um, uh, closed or shut down. And, you know, we just came to that point that I think lots of founders and entrepreneurs have. There's like this moment where you're like, well, dang, I've been working so hard and doing all of this you know, for other people, what would it look like if I did that for myself? And we were both at this point where we wanted to create something that we could uh, um, invest in and have responsibility and ownership over and kind of put out into the world um, some of the things that were important to us. And we had a lot of synergy and overlap in what was important to us. And a lot of that had to do with you know, um, um, the stories and narratives and rights of women and people of color. And we loved, you know, art and travel and culture and design and all these different things. So we decided to, to build something together. And um, we started running um, these creative workshops. Initially, they were just for women, and then we opened them up. We ended up co-founding an online magazine around creative um, entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs. And I think that a lot of times, like, you know, you you teach and you build like what you want to learn for yourself. And we really wanted to be those people, these kind of creative and social entrepreneurs that we were profiling and interviewing. We had a team of contributors that we that um, worked with us as well. And we ended up, you know, um, profiling these really incredible folks from all around the world, from like the first Yemeni woman photographer to, uh, you know, 
uh, food right activists in Oakland. And we focused a lot on women and people of color because we saw that was a huge missing in our own community, that these great people doing this great work weren't getting the um, the like the validation and the the screen time and the press that we thought they deserved. So we started there and eventually we were having success on a local level, but we really started to think about like, what would it look like to work with companies and organizations um, around diversity and, incl- and, and inclusivity, though we weren't necessarily calling it that at the time. Um, we were touting ourselves as more of a creative agency and did a lot of strategy work and um, built uh, campaigns and um, um, services and internal programs for different companies and organizations. And we kind of fell into this niche where we were working with lots of companies building out uh, programs for women entrepreneurs, um, aspiring and those that were a little more along the path. So we kind of found this interesting niche there, building out these internal programs and designing them, like actually designing, like, what is it like for this person attending this conference? What are the different levels you want to bring them to? Who are the speakers? What does the curriculum look like? All of that. And um, that kind of just led us down this path to really seeing, you know, really focusing on media and um, the tech world and seeing how this process we were using naturally, which we ended up calling designing for diversity, um, kind of led us to where we are now. And, you know, that process really comes out of our own lived experiences. You know, we both grew up in very diverse environments and, you know, we really saw for ourselves, like it's not lip service. It's not like diversity is a nice thing to do, but we saw for ourselves that this makes a huge difference in um, the quality of your relationships with people, the way that you see the world, um, the kind of products and services you create. Um, They're more effective and efficient and people centered. And, um, you know, so so for us, it's um, it's a real thing. It's it's something that we live by, something that we that we experience, and we saw like this could actually make a huge difference in these industries where that tends to be an afterthought. Now, Boywin, can you talk about when you decided uh, collectively to make that the forefront of Project Inkblot? Like, when when does it become diversity and inclusivity at the front of your consultancy? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, to be very frank with you and your audience, it's been pretty recent. It's been this this past year where we realized, oh, we've really codified a process. And though we say it's a design process, it's it's also a creative process. The way that we approach our client work, the way that we've approached developing this framework is very creative because it's not about us providing the answers to people um, where traditional consulting is about expertise and we think you should do this and here's the right way to do it. With something as complex as diversity and inclusion, which I think that you know people don't fully understand even what that means. They know it's a problem. They know it's something to address in their companies, but they don't really know what that means to themselves. We're really looking at it from, um, you know, all these different angles of business operations of, um, you know, how services 
are being created or really why we focus on tech and media so much isn't because that's where these issues are most pervasive. It really exists in every single industry. But why why we choose tech and media is because for us, this is the most urgent, the most pressing. It's, you know, really at a critical juncture of humanity right now where, you know, if we don't design for diversity and we don't have people of all different you know, backgrounds being active participants in tech and media, media that really, um, you know, paints for us what our ideologies, what our story, our, our national story is, and, and all of that, or even globally, what our story of humanity is, and also technology, you know, how we live our lives, what we have access to in the future. If not all people are active participants and see themselves reflected in that, then that's really scary. <laughs> That's a really scary, you know, it, it, not to be dark about it, but this is the future is actually right, right this moment. Um, and so for us, it, it really was that critical that we put this at the forefront. And the passion in your voice when you talk about it, in, in the sincerity and, and the, the realness, I think that shows that you're in the right place now. Hmm. Like if you would talk to me about designing an event, and you said, well, we need this type of content and we need to make sure people are, you know, sitting in this situation. You're not going to be as passionate as realizing that there's a difference to be made right now. Yeah. And you have the experience. And there's a guy, Kawasaki wrote a book called Art of the Start. And he said, don't do a business plan because you won't know what it is you do for three years. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's just, you're just wasting a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and then there's also this idea of there's a book called Traction which basically is just focuses in on, you know, what are you the expert at? And it, it feels like the two of you have found exactly where you're supposed to be. So Jahan, what has the response been? Like, what have you found in terms of people reaching out to you or connecting with you since you've made this switch? That's a great question. And I think you're right, Carl. Like it, it's something we're definitely passionate about. I just want to say that, you know, when we went to the future is like right now, it's so true. I mean, Honestly, you can look at so many industries and you can find racial inequity, gender inequity, all of that, you know? So it's not like a unique problem, but the difference with tech is like what Wen said is that everything is, the, the future is already happening. So there's like a real urgency to it, you know, and kind of getting behind that um, as quickly as possible. And yeah, to answer your question in terms of how people have been responding, well, it's interesting. You know, there's lots of different responses. Um, <laughs> I think that it, within the tech industry, one of the things that's that's really great, that's like uh, works to our benefit, is that people understand like what design means, what a design process is, or like what human-centered design is. There are other industries where those live as buzzwords. People don't really get it, you know? Like in the mm -hmm. beginning, sometimes people would think, oh, you guys are designers, like you code stuff, or like you design, we're like, oh no, we're not those type of designers. You know what I'm saying? So that's like, it's in some ways it's easier with the tech industry because we're using language that's understood. Um, and in some ways also, there's this idea that uh, like, oh, we have a problem, can you fix it? And we're like, no. <laughs> it's, it's not quite like that. Right. Like we can't fix racism. If we did, we wouldn't um, have a job. That'd probably be a good thing though. So we, we can't fix it because it's not, there's some, sometimes a level of education around, like when was saying what diversity and inclusion means, like this is something that's evolving. Um, it's constantly 
checking. That's why design for diversity as a process, as a framework is effective because we're actually providing a framework that folks can go back to, um, to use as they're continually building out new products and services. So going back to your question, that is something that we, that we get a lot is like, can you fix this? And, um, you know, we were speaking to this woman recently who made this, um, kind of analogy. She's speaking about sales trainings. You know, when, if you're working in sales in a company, you don't have one sales training and that's it. You have multiple sales training. There's actually budget that's allocated to um, becoming um, agile in how to sell the product or service because we know that people need to get better at that. They need to improve at that. But there's not necessarily budget set, set um, around DNI trainings, whether that's unconscious bias trainings, whether that's around hiring, retention. There's so many different avenues of DNI. So, um, people need to sort of get that it's not a one and done. It's evolving. This is something that's um, tackling like very deep mind, um, mental frameworks and behavioral shifts. You know, um, the root cause of it is, is racism and that exists throughout many different industries. So it's like, how do you, how do you tackle this? Um, and then on the positive side, we have folks that reach out to us who are like, Hey, we really, we know that there's a challenge. We, we know we have a challenge here and we're not quite sure what to do. Um, and that's understandable and that's fine. Um, it's not fine, but it's, it's understandable. Um, we're not in the business of, uh, shaming or blaming folks. It's not, uh, as effective so that it's it's useful that people are saying, hey, we, we know something's off. We don't know where to start. And we're always happy to go in and um, speak to those folks and see what we can do. Um, but buy-in is also needed um, from across levels um, because we're also finding as a response, sometimes there are people that are like, oh, we need to do something. We don't really deeply care about this, but we know we need to do something because there's been a PR crisis or they're afraid of something, <laughs> you know? So, you know, yeah. we're also not DNI like ER doctors. Like we'd much rather work in like preventative, <laughs> a preventative approach as opposed to going in and like managing a crisis. Well, it, everything that you, you've said makes sense. And I, I think one of the things that I've observed, and I don't know that the owners of digital agencies or the people managing product teams or that they would recognize this. And I've, I've said it to a few that, that I was close to, but there's a fear. Mm -hmm. And the fear is that something that's good is going to change mm. and that they don't understand. So it's, it's, it's beyond, it's not imposter syndrome, although most people in any creative field you know, some people obviously have a much bigger burden than others. Um, but but it's one of these things where they're like, our culture, our this, our that. And it's like, your culture is going to change. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, you're not including. Right. Right? So, but but that doesn't mean it's going to get bad. Right. It's just going to be different. And I think another thing is a lot of times, you know, you mentioned racism. There are these little pockets within the organization where people just don't want to look. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And- that becomes part of having a process and putting a budget. You're making a statement. Mm -hmm. You're saying this is going to be something that we do. So, so boy, when I, I'm curious when when these clients come in, and then they're asking like, what is the onboarding process? What are the questions that you're asking to identify 
the good clients that you'll be able to help. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, we've been thinking about this very deeply for some time now. And part of the realization that we came to is that we can't be everything for everyone. Not everyone's going to be the right type of client for us. And it took us a while to come to that realization because we, we truly believe that design for diversity or, you know, diversity as a design process can benefit everybody. But, you know, if, if you're in a position where you're not, um, you're not open to change. You're not open to dealing with what of what what will become unearthed in the process of doing this or talking about this. Then th- they're probably not the right client for us at this moment. And that doesn't mean that we work with people who, you know, know everything. Certainly not. I, I think that part of it is. Um, what we've identified is that folks who are actually implementing things within teams, who are dealing with communicating with teams and and um, delivering projects and you know dealing with a day to day, those are folks that are best suited for doing work with us because they are impacted by this on a day-to-day basis, you know, and it's really great for us to actually work with whole teams, you know, a, a agile team or a small group of people who are intimately, um, you know, connected to a process already to see, okay, well, just given what you already have, you know, meeting them where they are, like where could be some blind spots, where could be some human touch points that there might be some sort of a bias apparent. And as Jahan said, you know, we're not in the business of making anyone wrong or pointing something out to say that's not how you should do it, but it's really a process of discovery for them. You know, if you input your work within this framework, it's really amazing for us because our clients get to discover for themselves, oh, that's where that was missing and I can, I can, you know, do something about it. And here's a solution that I'm sourcing within my own team, within our own resources and our own community assets. Whereas, you know, working with, um, let's say, somebody who's just coming from the top down and creating a mandate, that's not that's not really how we work because it's actually, it's going against the core principle of designing for diversity, which is really bringing the people who you want to reach into the fold as leaders. Is there like a success story? Can you share? And obviously it's, it's gotta be an ongoing success story, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah. But but Jahan or Boywin, either one of you, could, could you share like one of the success stories of your clients? Sure. Um, I think a good, a good example is um, Rent the Runway. So they are a um, like tech fashion company um, and they've been super successful and we were brought in to help design this program they started for their nonprofit arm called Project Entrepreneur. And that um, program was really all about supporting um, aspiring women uh, entrepreneurs. And, you know, but when I did a lot of work around designing the internal program and, you know, our lens is always like, oh, who's who's missing or who if, you know, X person was here or if this product or service was offered, you know, how would that make a difference so that people that attending this would actually feel a sense of, inc- of inclusivity, would feel a sense of belonging and, you know, Boy, when I have been to a lot of women's entrepreneurs conferences and we sort of know like there's kind of like a formula to it. Um, And we were really thinking critically about, well, how could this be different? And so we started bringing in 
um, different speakers, designing the curriculum, designing the, um, the, the, the flow of the event, et cetera. And this en- ended up being these sort of national summits that were done in three cities, New York, DC, and Austin. Austin. Yeah. And so what, what, what was interesting was one of the success stories was we brought in this woman named Jody Patterson, who's an entrepreneur. She's a mother of five. She's like really powerful. Um, she has started a, a beauty company, um, just really just powerful woman. And, um, you know, we brought her in and she ran this workshop around how um, actually sharing and like being honest about your personal story can really lead to opportunities for your brand. And really what she was sharing about was about how her um, daughter became her son. She has a son. Um, wow. Right. And, and, and she really spoke about, you know, her experience. And so this was, you know, what she was sharing was, hey, I, I documented this experience. I shared about it personally, really just to share what was happening in her own life. And um, her son is, is fairly young, maybe around eight. And, you know, what she shared was like this sharing about this so authentically and so vulnerably provided so many opportunities for my brand, things that I never could have imagined. And it wasn't that she shared because she wanted that to happen. That was a byproduct of her sharing. And I bring this story up because, you know, we got some pushback, you know, this was being done in in Texas, although it is Austin, right. Which is like really, you know, (laughs) that circle of blue and that state of red. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so we're like, oh, she'd be a great addition, you know, et cetera. And we, and we received some, some pushback. And some of that was based in fear. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's Austin, but still, and this might be a little bit too risque, et cetera. And the point is that that was one of the most successful workshops at that event. And, wow. you know, so when we were talking about diversity, we're certainly talking about race and gender and um, sexual orientation and everything. But we're also talking about um, diversity of different types of narratives and stories. Yeah. Um, the fact that Jody Patterson is a black woman telling the story adds another layer of, of a layer of intersectionality that you wouldn't normally hear. Um, so that's something that we're always looking at is like, how can we shake this up a bit and how can we create these type of, of human experiences that have people see themselves in it. And, you know, one of the best sort of like qualitative, you know, um, the responses that we, or, or data we receive were like multiple women of color saying, this is one of the most diverse, like women's entrepreneurial events or or seminars or, you know, conferences that I've ever attended. And that came out of boy when and I going to so many of those conferences and seeing like, hey, these are mostly white women and not just mostly white women, but mostly educated women like Ivy Leaguers. Yet, boy when and I are looking at our own community and saying, hey, we, but we know tons of like successful women entrepreneurs who don't come from those backgrounds. And there's like a real richness. There's like a real rich, robust um, um, flavor. And when, when I think of women's entrepreneurship that really benefits all, when all those stories are told, that was not, it doesn't typically, is not typically reflected. And like the question that we're always looking at is like, well, why, why, you know, Carl, when you said earlier 
that there's a fear for some folks like, oh, I'm working in this industry, et cetera, and I'm afraid, you know, things are good and I'm afraid that things will change. My question would be, who is it good for? <laughs> there you go. Yep. And can it be good for everyone? Because I don't think it has to be like, let's um, let's get rid of all white men in tech. Like, that's not where we're coming from. You know, it's like, actually, how can we coexist and like commune and collaborate in order to create the best, most effective, efficient product and service? Well, I just have to say, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a little goosebumpy over here. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, first of all, congratulations. That is an amazing success. And not only because of that instance, but because you showed what's possible. And you you showed yourself and you're able to show others now. So that it's just amazing. Thanks, um, Carl. This year. Yeah, thank you. That's really so encouraging. <laughs> yeah. oh. Can I just add one thing to that, Ashley? Um, you know, because we're speaking to to founders and entrepreneurs and things of that nature, is that, you know, often exactly what Jahan spoke to, like these women and women's um, entrepreneurship conferences, or let's just say entrepreneurship conferences in general, there's usually like like she mentioned, a template or a way that we approach these conferences or events. And I know one of the biggest issues, and we all do in this community, is imposter syndrome. That's something that we spoke about before, you know. And it's because there's a very narrow definition of what success should look like and what you should be doing, how you should be behaving within this space. And so I think also a, a another thing to mention about this particular conference that we designed, these different summits that we designed, is that we're really looking at need. Like these women who are coming to be participants at this conference, what do they actually need that's going to make a difference for them to succeed in pursuing these different ventures on their own to feel equipped, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's really where we're coming from. It wasn't just to diversify just so that we had different perspectives, but, you know, this particular um, set of values and tools and things that Jody. Um, you know, bestowed upon her participants in this workshop was really about, you know, what's it really going to take for you to live your authentic self so that you can be, you can show up true, you can show up fully to this new venture that you're creating in a way that is going to be different than what you have been doing. Because oftentimes we, we become entrepreneurs to leave the space where we can't fully show up, you know? And so, yeah, I think that that's a really key thing to to just mention about the success. Oh no, I I think it's a wonderful thing to add, and uh, without a doubt, you're both right where you're supposed to be. I mean, you have this opportunity to make to make a difference, to put your dent in the world, yeah, um, and and have it carried on further. So, Jahan and Boywin, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today, and actually for opening my eyes to a, to a whole lot of opportunity. I'll definitely be back in touch. And and if you're up for it, I'd love to have you come back by the show maybe like in six months and we can check in and see how things are going. That oh, sounds that would great. We'd love excellent. that. Yeah. What an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And everybody listening, thank you so much. And we will be back next week. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul.